Okay, here we are on April 14th, 2016, at the Science Fiction Club meeting talking about Infinity Link, or The Infinity Link, depending on what title you look at, um, from Jeffrey A. Carver, and we'll go around the room and see what people thought of it in general. Well, I didn't enjoy it at all. I thought it was too long. I didn't like the principal characters. And by the time the science or engineering got interesting, I'd lost interest in the book. Plus, she made, Mosey made this big deal about the scar. And I just thought that uh, if they have enough technology to tie into the brain to the degree they did, I couldn't believe they couldn't have found a way to fix the scar. Well, um, I think she was poor at the time of the scar situation. Um, I, I like the book, although I think it was a bit disjointed. Um, I don't, I, I did like the book, um, interesting thought for the author, you know, the link and stuff like that. It, it was, it was a good book. Well, I read it around the middle of last month and I reviewed it briefly this week. And it just didn't have much of an impact on me. It was To me, it was sort of predictable. It was the same old story where, you know, who's, whoever's going to end up in this sort of nebulous telepathic universe is going to end up there. And I just, it didn't have an impact on me. I guess I've read enough stories that have that kind of predictability about them. So... Anything that even approaches being amazed by this sort of technology is just kind of worn off. So when I reviewed it, I was bored with it. When I read it last month, it was it was interesting. But then, as I said, I've just been really busy the last month, have so many different things going on. So I don't remember a lot about it, to tell you the truth. Well, you, some of you, or most of you may recall... Uh, Sherry won't, unless she heard the recording. Uh, but um, I said that Lissy and I had read this book back in 2007 or 2008 on cassette, and then I started fumbling around trying to remember something about it, and it was kind of funny, but kind of sad in a way, but we read it again, and now I know why I can't remember anything about it the first time. Though That's pretty bad in a way, because it's 20 hours long, and I came up with a complete blank when I was trying to remember anything about it last month. But, yeah, it wasn't horrible, but it was too long. And the psychodrama and the spinning stuff, psychedelic, hallucinational type stuff in the computer with Mosey falling apart and Hashi falling apart and and Mother Program and... As, yeah, and... Um, it was just too long, and it was not that very... We just didn't think it was very good, and we kept putting... We almost didn't finish it. We really turned up the speed on the on the player. I mean, faster than we 
Let's, let's see, I listen to books faster normally, but not this fast usually. We, we sped through I it. I usually listen fast. It was, and we sped through it, and it was still long. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so no, we weren't really impressed. Yeah, this is Sherry. I'll, I'll join in on the bashing. I, I didn't like it too much either. I, I didn't consider not finishing it. I didn't like those preludes at all. I thought they were really just annoying, and I couldn't find a it didn't seem to skip. I was afraid if I skipped them, I'd miss something, so I didn't. It was it was interesting that the author made the main character so unlikable. At least I found her unlikable. I thought she was immature and all of her little temper tantrums and her fights with her family and her friend. It's like she couldn't get along with anybody. And then she develops this crush on this guy, and, and she pushes her f- supposed friend into helping her at the risk of his at least losing his job she must have considered that well she didn't consider it unfortunately so i didn't i did i'm trying to find something positive to say i thought the david caden character was interesting and that was a well um written character in the way they created him and the purpose they created him for and stuff that was at least interesting but like all of you there was just too much of this other drama almost like a young adult kind of book yeah Mosey was always in a rage. People were always trying to pacify her. And when she really got sympathetic was when she was in a coma. Oh! (laughs) You know, she couldn't have any tantrums. But it was sad that they were never able to reanimate her. I was kind of hoping she'd get reanimated and, and she would end up with Kashi, which is what he was hoping. He was a nice... He was, from my point of view... A, a, a good romantic star-crossed lover character, and he never did, uh, you know, attain his true love. But it was sad that his implants were so um, fickle. They remind me of a, a former student of mine we know who is going through multiple surgeries for glaucoma, and they just keep failing, and the tube keeps coming out, and more scar tissue, you know, accrues, and he'll have to pay for it, but I've seen this cycle so many times before, and I, you know, feel in my heart he's going to ultimately lose his vision, and it just reminded me of Kashi, that they, Hashi, Hashi, that he was able to um, attain some vision, but at a terrible cost. Um, I was sorry that he ended up, you know, committing suicide, and I agree that the, there was a real disparate um, situation in, in the development of um, the scientific advancement, you know, because they were so far ahead in, in technology for space travel, but so far behind in, in, you know, in many other ways, it seemed like they'd made almost no progress at all. And and the characters weren't all that likable. You know, the the newspaper reporter was unfaithful, and his girlfriend didn't understand him. And um, it was it was so full of soap opera. It um, and we, in some ways, we really the the Talinki, They were pretty. They were they were interesting, but they were just caught in the mire. Of all this 
Baloney. That stuff about the whales, though, that was fashionable back then. I mean, remember the uplift books had whales and dolphins uplifted, and the Star Trek movie had whales in it, and I'm sure I'm missing. I'm sure there are other ones people come come up with, but that was a big. That was a fad back in the '80s to get whales and you know cetaceans in on the whatever it was uplift was a- up, uplift or, or or in this case the cosmic connection or whatever. It was kind of hackneyed, though, that the whales automatically assumed that the space traveler was were gods. I just thought, oh no, not again. Um. You know, I first, 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 in the beginning of the book, I felt sorry for Mosey because she was one of these shy people that, because of her scar, and I can actually kind of relate with her, that's why, uh, not with the rage, but, <laughs> but with the whole self-confidence issue because of your, your face or whatever, um, I felt bad for her. I really did. But then when she, I don't know, when she fell in love with Dave is when she lost it. It's like, okay, now you've turned, like, wow. And that's when I kind of lost my liking for her. Now at the end, of course, she kind of changed because she was in the mind net of the Telenki. I really liked the Telenki. They were cute. They remind me of cute, cuddly, uh, I don't know, Ewoks or something like that. And um, and they, they, everything they did was a game. It kind of reminded me of a, a Star Trek episode, if I can remember which one it was. I, I well, there's probably many, but anyway, I that I liked the Telenki. I liked the music. I liked that, and yeah, that probably was about the only thing I liked. And then Hathorn really surprised me when he. Um, actually leaked to pain um i did not that was a twist i did not see because i i I did not like him at first i really didn't um and he actually did that before the whole when he before he went into the link with the telenki and then after that his whole character changed and i like the bedu that was bedu or whatever it was called that was cute too The other thing I didn't like, <clears throat> and this is a minor, po- minor point, is their use of tachyons, because I think they've sciences or physics has gotten away from the idea of tachyons as being real. Well, yeah, but you can't, you can't, you can't fault a book for something that physics got away from decades later. I mean, that's not fair, really. Um, I mean, and um, it, it was it was at the time it, it was sound it was sound. I mean, I think. I mean, I remember reading about them, but um, um, I think the book it might have just been better if it had been tightened up a little, if it had been edited down to maybe half or twelve hours <laughs> instead of twenty hours. Maybe it would have been just better because the plot did tighten up at the end. We see the warships coming and. You know the nukes going off, and you know, and this all happens in the last couple of hours. But you know, in the first seventeen hours, not a whole lot happens except you know, Mosey gets, you know, 
transmitted and Caden and mother program break down and Hashi goes, well, he gets kind of uh, whatever. But, I mean, for eight to, for 16 hours, 17 hours, that's not a whole lot. You've got a really good point there, Evan. Um, there isn't a lot that goes on in the first part of the book. I felt like it was kind of a mixed bag in that I like the telinky, like some other people have said, and I was a mildly entertained by some of the drama that was played out among the people of Earth, but I thought that it was horribly naive as far as things like him sending letters and expecting them to get there and not be intercepted and stuff like that, you know. He didn't do a very good job of his speculation about what was going to happen in the future. And, uh, I mean, you know, heaven knows if I were the one doing the speculating, I'm sure I would do a lousy job too. But it, um, wasn't it? I think it was like written in the 80s. So that's a long time. And so probably thinking that it's, really too outdated is probably unfair on my part but that really bothered me and um it just it didn't hold together well for me either um and everything seemed awfully black and white without very much um ambiguity and that's something that i really appreciate in books is that there being real nuance to things and there wasn't much nuance in this there you go um, I was impressed that the two supervisors improved. You know, they their characters grew in the story, and I always am pleased to see that. Um, you know, they both, wow, they they both really grew. Yeah, Hathorne. She said when he, near the end, when he was he leaked the the news story, and then he went into the link and kind of cha- had a bit of a uh, an epiphany. Lizzie said, I thought he was the bad guy. I said, well, he kind of was, but he's kind of changed now. So, um, Another thing was that I, I thought it was so sad that the Talinkis' way of greeting a new race was to, to put on a big entertainment of art and music combined. And it was cute that they mentioned that they were very attracted by the rock and roll on Earth. Um and that the that the human response, especially you know the people in power, was to nuke them, and that that they had these communication lapses where the the spaceship with the nuclear the eight nuclear warheads or bombs or whatever um, were out of touch, and so they were told, well, if you're out of touch, then just go ahead and. Use your judgment if you want to nuke them. You know, nuke them. You have carte blanche, and I, it was it was unfortunate that the humans' um, first response wasn't to applaud but and and be excited, and that also that that so little um, credit was given to the public and the general response. When these single people with all this power were trying to blow them out of the sky. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you that it was nice to see that Hathorne became a 
nicer guy by the end. That was nice to see some change in people. Unless I missed it, I don't think the whole storyline with Mosey and her family with her dad dying was ever resolved, although I didn't care too much about that. Um, I think at the end they did mention that her friend D, the reporter's wife, I think his name was Payne, um, got to talk with her, and they kind of resolved their issues. This is another book where I noticed that the men, with the exception of Hoshi, were referred to by their last names and the women by their first names, Moshi and D. I think were the two women, and I think Moshi had a couple of sisters, but for the most part, the men were all last names. I just find that writing technique interesting, and you see it in sci-fi, I think, more than regular novels. I think that's sort of an influence of a military thing or something. I don't know, but, but you're right. Um, I think the nuclear thing is fairly predictable in this type of a novel where... Everything's wonderful. The aliens are here. Let's enjoy them. But then you have to have the paranoid influence from the people who think, oh, the aliens are evil. Let's get rid of them kind of stuff. That's I've seen that in so much science fiction going all the way back to the TV movies that were, um, you know, whoever invades the Earth or something. I don't know. I can't remember titles, but it's... I guess for some reason they just seem to think, let's throw some war into the store to make things a little interesting, but it becomes so predictable after a while, you just kind of expect it. Well, you know, they didn't, I just, my memory goes, they didn't have any uh, peaceful contact movies until, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and even that one, it was un- unclear whether they were going to do something nasty to the aliens until they actually made contact and E.T. But most of the movies at that time were the aliens are bad and we've got to kill them or they'll kill us. Um, but I agree with you, Evan. I wish the book had been about half as long. Maybe then it would have been readable, but, you know, I fast-forwarded through a number of chapters, so my view is a little dis. Is a little discontinuous, if that's a word. Um, I wonder if this guy or person wrote anything else. I think I've heard his name before, but I'm not sure about that. I was going to mention that about a third of the way through the book, I was thinking, wow, this must nearly be over. And I looked at... um, I looked to see how much was left, and it was I had finished about a third of it. So, yes, I would say it was definitely way too long. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I did exactly the same thing. In fact, I had my stream speeded up to about five. <laughs> and I thought, this is the fastest 19 hours I've ever had, <laughs> and I'm glad it was, because if I had tried to read it at a normal speed, man, I never would have made it through the book. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say about the author, but well, you know, it's it's the truth. It really could have, con- you know, been much better if they cut it in half. Um, he did write some other stuff, and I I think it might even be on Bard. It's certainly on cassette. It was a a series of three or four books called the Chaos Chronicles, and I don't remember the name of them. And I read them, and I actually don't remember them very well either. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, because he really tries. I mean, here's the problem with this guy, and it's, it's sad because 
he really tries to get some sense of wonder in there and some cosmic, you know, and I like that. Arthur C. Clarke was so good at that. Werner Vinge was great at it. Stapleton, of course, was great at it. Um, and some others. He really tries, but for some reason, I just can't get it. And he just doesn't do it right for me, or and apparently for other people, too. That kind of grandeur that, you know, he's trying to convey with these preludes and with the aliens on the different worlds and being connected and all. It's great. It's a great idea. He just doesn't seem to execute it very well, and I don't know why. But it's kind of sad. Go ahead, sweetie. Um, I just want to tell you about our reading style. Even though we kept saying, are we going to finish this? And then we, we'd say, we'll, we'll read one more day. And even though we were at a faster speed than usual, I will tell you, if Evan misses a word, he goes back and we, we, we re-listen. So we actually pay attention to every yeah, word. Yeah, if, I, I, if I'm going to read a book, I am not going to skip anything. If I'm, I'm, I'll read it faster but if I'm going to read it, I'm not going to skip. And I'll, you know, if I'm going to do it right, you know, um, I'm going to do it, you know, right. I'm not going to mess, you know. But um, yeah, she's she's more uh, laid back about that. She can fall asleep and tell me what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how I do it. I cannot. I don't like missing words. If I'm going to read a book, if I even if I don't like the book, if I decide to finish it, I'm going to read it all. It's funny because I'm like you, Evan. If I like, if I don't like a book, but I know I'm going to read it, I can't skip. And if I do fall asleep, like if I'm sitting there, like I was reading yesterday, and I kind of dozed every once in a while, I had to go back. I did because I want to know. I just want to know. And I actually read this book with Audible, and the narrator was very good. I did have to speed it up though. Well, I'll be honest with you. I keep forgetting that the Victor Reader stream has a fast forward or a higher variable speed. I think I'm going to try that the next time I run into a book like this because I kind of like to know what's going on. But this guy just didn't tighten stuff up enough. You know, it's almost like I said, you know, he, he wants to put where five words could do something, he'd put in 15 or 20. And we had to hear about Mosey wanting to feel the sand between her toes at least three times. Uh, yeah, and, uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, we did, we had to hear that. And, oh, yeah, um, and Madeline Bizarre does not read really fast to begin with, so we had the NLS speed up to two or three, and that, and those increments aren't real as small as they are on the book sense. Um, so she was reading pretty quickly, but but she's not a real fast reader to begin with. Well, I find once you speed it up, you quickly get used to that speed, and it doesn't sound as fast. So, yeah, I almost always read things that sped up twice uh, at level two on the stream. Um, I, what's interesting, too, is, and I like long books. I mean, I, I tend to really gravitate towards long books if they're done well. Like, look at the Peter F. Hamilton books. Most of us really like those, and they're longer than this one, but yet I never got bored in those. And this one I found myself frequently, you know, wanting to skip ahead, but I didn't because I was afraid I'd miss some plot thing. As it turned out, I probably would not have. But, yeah, I agree with everybody else. It really, this one was not 
tightly written. It could have really been edited down. Now there's a guy Hamilton who can who 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 can be really evocative and invo- invoke that sense of grandeur that that uh, Carver tries to get but just can't seem to get. And and Hamilton's really good at that. And yeah, he can write a book a half again as long as this and keep keep me interested. He can write a thirty hour book. And keep me interested, whereas uh, this guy, you know, but it's too bad, but. I think your dog's trying to agree with us. Didn't like the book either. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> it was starting to growl when you guys were talking. <laughs> that was so funny. That's because one of them was looking at the other one, and he didn't like that. So, and, and they, they get along most of the time, but sometimes they look at each other, and he growls, and she barks, and. Then we have to separate them, and and uh, then everything calms down again. It was too funny. Funny. One thing about the romantic stuff that I don't think has been mentioned is what happened when Mosley found out that Caden was not human and her reaction. And talk about a tantrum. Good grief. That went on for pages Sheesh, I couldn't believe, you know, it's like half the people in this book are 12 years old or something. Yeah, and she was a software construct herself at the time. So, I mean, she, I mean, you know, talk about prejudice there. It's sad, though, that when they came together, it didn't work. And he, after it was over, David was just not comfortable with what no. Hey, I think we went off course there a little bit. What, don't you have safety, sir? Yeah. Don't you have, like, you know, uh, safety, uh, va- um, whatever, I'm t- well, you know what I'm talking about, safety was, interlocks to keep the f- ship from going off course yeah, when you forget where you're going or the something? The ship was rocking in the rhythm yeah, of the... Yeah, just tumbling and, yeah, <laughs> and everything. It's like, oh, come on, that's a little cheesy. I thought that whole relationship was kind of weird, and not not just because he was... He was a software construct, and she was only like derived into a software construct. But just, I don't know. It, and again, he dwelt on that stuff over and over again. And yet, other than that, they sort of mentioned that, oh, Caden is back and blah, 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 toward the end of the book. You don't really know anything about, you know, it's like nothing really got resolved. And he threw in some sexual stuff that just seemed gratuitous. I mean, who cares if Payne has an affair with somebody because his wife doesn't comfort him enough? I mean, that didn't really add anything to the book. It's not like the reporter helped him get the story. or It was just totally gratuitous. And, of course, Moshi managed just to have a sexual encounter with Caden, too, which uh, who knows how that managed to work, but they seem to worked that out pretty well and so you know maybe she was right in going after him he clearly was capable it was all simulation go well, ahead sweetie well <laughs> actually it wasn't all right because she said afterwards he really wasn't the same and he certainly wasn't in any her either one of them were moved to repeat the experience so i don't think it really actually worked out very well for them and the caden who came back at the end of the book was the second version of Caden, who never experienced all those things with Mosey. I I did feel very sad when the Caden entity, you know, died. 
it just I was saying yeah and and you know what and that's another thing that just reminds me Hashi you know she went through pages of this how Hashi knows the system's going to break down and he knows he's got to get to Jonders and before the but he never explains why he knows that or how he knows it and what's going to happen and why they're going to break down he never explained any of that but he it's so urgent that he has to get out of his hospital bed to go see him and explain that if he doesn't do something they're going to die but he doesn't say anything i mean we don't see it in his head we don't see him explain it to jonders we don't see it's all it was there was nothing there yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have said things worked out well for them because you're right. After they had this simulated sexual encounter, they both, it seemed to be weird for them. Um, but yeah, with Hoshi, yeah, that whole thing was pretty weird. And if he knew she was going to die, I mean, I know he struggled with revealing secret information, but that that seems like a pretty big deal to send her to her death just because she wanted this other guy that he knew she wouldn't be able to have once he sent her in there. I just the thought just occurred to me. I wonder if this out- author had an outline of what was going on, because as I listen to you guys, it sounds more and more like his thoughts weren't organized in any fashion. Um, you know, he keeps jumping back and forth from one thing to another. Now go, honey. I think didn't Hoshi Hoshi believe that he was going to. Um, that Mosey was going to remain in her corporal body, and he would he would inherit the Mosey that was left behind. Yeah, I think he did, there was a brief mention of that. I think that's he kind what of thought he thought that, that was going to happen. When she was transmitted off, then the one behind would he would get the one behind, and Caden would get the one he sent or he transmitted. It didn't work out. No, it didn't work out. But but that whole business with him panicking about them dying and stuff, there was no explanation of that at all. Well, that, yeah, you're right. That is what he thought. Also, I really believe he was having some brain issues because way at the beginning... When he was cooking his dinner or whatever, it said something like, oh, I have to get my eyes fixed or something like that, because he was really having issues. And um, I really felt bad that he committed suicide. That was that was sad. That was, that was a sad... And you're right. He, the author said, oh, I need to tell Jonders about this, and he never did. It was so weird. Like like I said, a lot of this, like you said, Marshall, too, a lot of this book was kind of disjointed in places. It would go from one place to another and then, you know, come back. He tried to put it all together, but I don't know. This book was kind of disjointed. Yeah, I thought it was kind of sad when Hashi died, too. I thought his whole eye implant stuff was really interesting. And that was a really interesting idea. And I also have to say that I was glad that the, her gerbils survived too. Oh, I'll tell you when he when he started having implant trouble. I just I'm almost finished with the book Future Crimes, and my first thought was that somebody might have hacked into it because I've been reading. This book is almost is like 20 hours. Also, the future and don't read it in large doses, please. Um, 
if you're going to read it at all, because it is incredibly, it's pretty scary. Um, but my first thought was that somebody might have hacked into it. Of course, back then, people weren't thinking too much about that. And uh, But it just, you know, it's, it, it just made me that more aware of that that could happen in the future when people get these brain implants. You know, the protocols are not secure. Okay, I'm not going to go off on that. Uh, anyway, that was my first thought when, when his implant started to go awry, was that somebody had hacked it. Yeah, I kept see, seeing things like that all the time. You know, they would, like, go meet somewhere, and, you know, it's like, if that were something that was happening in a book today, they would be able, you know, they would be monitored. And I kept thinking, oh, boy, they're going to find out about all this secret stuff. And they do, but you never find out how. Oh, there, I agree that there's an incredible amount of like, loose ends that just sort of get strung out all over the book. And um, specifically with the thing with Hashi, I thought, maybe, I'm, maybe I went to sleep and dreamed this, but I thought that he had... Actually, there was actually a scene where he was either on his way to or going or actually at somebody's place that he was going to explain to them about what was going on. But then you never saw any action actually being taken about it, which I couldn't figure out whether that was because he never really told them or if it was because they just decided that they weren't going to do anything about it. And I thought that was really unfortunate because... Well, but it's just another one of those little weaknesses in the book. Well, he did go to see Jonders, but it was too late, and that's why he committed suicide, because he, was, he couldn't save the Mosey on the, the ship, and he couldn't save the Mosey that was left behind in her actual body. So he, you know, he'd lost everything as far as, you know, the Mosey's, um, the Mosey ship and Mosey original, or whatever she was called, or Mosey Earth, and so, but it was too late, but 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 we saw this breaking down going on, and, and it would have been nice if the author had slipped in in Hashi's thought stream somewhere, him putting it together as to what was causing it, you know, because we never find out. Even though he went to Jonders and it was too late, he could have told us in Hashi's mind previously, so we knew what was going on a little better than just seeing these guys falling apart and Caden dying and all that. And mother program stuttering and stammering for five pages or whatever uh, it was. Yeah, Mosey, um, I mean, Hashi, um, one of the characters did mourn him, but he didn't seem to have friends and a support system. And, by the way, I never forgot the gerbils. I was, <laughs> I was a little upset with Hashi because he was so turned off by the smell and, you know, he couldn't wait to unload them. And I thought... Well, this is one thing you could do for her, but you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> I guess you, you tend to notice everything book, in books like that. I mean, I'm also an animal lover, and I thought, don't leave those poor things alone to starve to death. <laughs> yeah, I got really, uh, I found him very obnoxious when he was like, saying, oh, I've let them starve, I've let them die, I've let them die, and then it gets up, and it's like, okay, do something, you know, but he hadn't even picked them up to see if they were really dead or anything like that, they just, he just sort of, he was a strange person, he, he, he had some major character flaws. Well, 
Um, the thought occurs to me to wonder when was the last time we've said so many negative things about a book, and I can't come up with any right now. I'm, I'm sure in the last nine years or whatever, we've probably had one or two, but I certainly can't recall them right now. It reminds me of that line in uh, A Boy Named Sue. I'll tell you, I've ta fought tougher men, but I really can't remember when. And I can't remember when we've said this much about a book we didn't like. And the funny thing is that we all agree. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be interesting when you write up the, the next meeting and you're going to say, well, our opinions about this book weren't the best. <laughs> we'll probably start talking about our next book unless somebody has more to say. <laughs> well, I must say I regret I'm going to be out of town next month for my nephew's graduation at I really wish it would have been this month. <laughs> well, I have an idea for next month, and it just it's its a book that we've talked about more than any other book, I think, and we haven't read it. I, the only problem is most of us have read it, but for some of us it's been quite a long time. But Bard just got it up not too long ago. It was a way station, Clifford Simak, and we all seem to like it. And, you know, since we so most of us didn't like this book, um, those who haven't read it will enjoy it, I think. It's not very long. It's well-written. It's It's got a great heart to it. I'm thinking of Leslie because she always likes that. She's always wants books with heart. And, um, and I think it seems like a good time to uh, read it because we've all talked about it so much over the years. Well, I had the same thought, but I thought, well, <laughs> I don't know. But I love that book. It's my favorite, all-time favorite science fiction book, other than Tunnel in the Sky. <laughs> and I'm rereading it with this narrator. And uh, it was the first version that I ever heard. I was up all night one night reading it. I remember when I first got it. And I went to work the next day, and, boy, I was dragging around like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but, yeah. I'll read it again. There's always something new that you learn. And second, third, fourth, tenth time you read a book. So I'll, you know, I'm going for anything anybody suggests, though. Anything that cuts to the chase and gets to the point is fine with me. Is this like, I saw that on Bard, and I'd read it before on Bard. So is this like a different narrator or a different version or something like that? actually really read it in Braille. I wonder, is it on Audible? Just curious. Do you know, Mary? Oh, yeah. I've had, had, had a hard time trying to get in. Um, the version that just came on BART is the older version that came from the um, one of the Texas volunteer agencies, and this narrator is just I think much better than the newer version, but then, you know, they're both okay. But the one that just came on BARD is the older one. I think it came up to um, NLS in around 1980, 81, somewhere in there. I don't know if it's on Audible, because um, I haven't used Audible in a couple of years. It's not short. It's not too long. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, I'm excited if it's in Braille. I really, I really love, you know, I, you know I all... All of you know I love to read things in Braille. It's just a, a direct conduit to my brain. But I also like the book that I know is kind of trendy right now, but I did get really involved in the fifth wave. Well, 
since I've been reading the Dragon Rider series, I have no objection to rereading a good book. Uh, please don't ask me to reread this, the Infinity Link. Oh, come on. Come on. We were going to do that in July because it's a longer... Well, I can't actually. I'm not sure which one is the longest. Is another five weeks, but uh, no, no, nobody's going to ask anybody to reread that. Yeah, I second that. That was it was a long book, and like like Sherry said, I love long books like the Peter Hamilton and stuff. But oh, this one was. Once I got into it, it was I read it, but it's like wow, it's long. I don't think there's anything wrong with rereading a favorite book. I don't know how many times I've read <clears throat> most of the Dragon Rider series. I just love those books. And as I said, every time you read one of those over again, it's it's like being good friends with people. There's always something new that you learn from the book that you maybe read 15 times, and yet there's a phrase that you skipped or a sentence that you skip that just kind of turns your whole perception around and makes it deeper. So no, there's nothing wrong with reading books that you love over and over and over. It's just like going back to a familiar place and revisiting it. Well, to me, it's almost like listening to a, a, um, a good a, one of your favorite songs. I mean, you know exactly what happens. You know, it's like, I mean, I know some people don't like to re- read books because they already know how it turns out, but... I mean, why would you ever listen to a song again if you heard it once? I mean, you know how it goes, right? I mean, that's the same kind of thinking. And my thinking is, well, if you like a good song, you want to hear it again. If you like a good book, you want to read it again. It just takes a lot longer, so I can't do it as often. But that's my feeling about it. It's like, you know, an experience. It's not about the plot so much. You know what the plot is. Like uh, like me and A Fire Upon the Deep or Childhood's End or or um, some other books that are on my favorites list that I reread every so often. I know how they go. I know exactly how they turn out. It's not the point. I agree. It's like there are books that are so... The words are beautiful and it doesn't matter that you know what's going to happen. You And in fact... It, anticipating the scenes that you love is part of the enjoyment of the book and in that respect it's kind of like music there's music that when i hear it i think well i don't care if i ever hear that again or not and then there's others that i want to listen to over and over again and i think books are the same way anyway what's the fifth wave about go ahead sweetie i already know that you don't like it but um it's about aliens who are annihilating humans um, with one kind of attack after the other. Yeah, and each and, one is called a wave. So each attack, the fifth wave is the fifth different attack. And by that time, the survivors are few and far between. And, you know, there are nice ones and there are ones who cooperate. And it's a kind of a survivor mentality. But I guess... The, of course, the terrible thing is that the that the aliens begin to you know exist inside humans. So, so you don't know who to trust anymore. You got to right. always be paranoid. Is this a human behaving like an? Is this an alien behaving like a human to uh, betray you, or is it really someone you can trust? And of course, my hope is always that 
they'll grow toward each other so that they don't have to be enemies in the end. So that if we are absorbed, maybe there can be a nice symbiosis or whatever. But the main character is a teenager and her her young brother is taken away to one of the alien centers where they train children to be warriors or something. And the it's the story of how she... Um, goes about trying to rescue her brother, and then she gathers a very few allies about herself to help rescue him. And there, I, be- I believe the sixth, the next book, the sixth wave, is available. And I, I was surprised that I enjoyed it, but I did, and I'm going to read the sixth wave now. Is that one of those books? It's only available in Braille because I haven't seen it in recorded form. Yeah, I think it was. It that was. could be. I read it in Braille, yeah, she but read I'm it in always Braille. seeking Braille. Yeah, I don't think it was on Bard. I think it was only in Braille. Might be in Bookshare, though. I thought that I read that synopsis just recently somewhere, but I don't remember where. Well, it became a movie. The Fifth Wave became a movie, didn't it, sweetie? Yeah, and if we don't yeah. choose it, you some of you might it. like it. It's not too long, and, you know, it's an adventure. When was the last time we read Clark? I don't think I've seen any Clark in our um, since I joined the group about five years ago or so. Um, just wondering, when was the last time we read Clark? Because that would be a fabulous thing to uh, an author to read, if you know, because this other book we finished is just such a downer, and he's always so good. Oh my, it's been quite a few years. We read. Uh when he died, we read a book that wasn't my favorite, but uh, people. The consensus was that we would read. Oh man, I got to go through the newsletters again to find out what it was. Uh, it was um, um, not Fountains of Paradise, was it? I can't remember, but it was one of his. It wasn't one of his best known books, but it was. It was pretty good. Um, but um, and we didn't we do Rendezvous with Rama or didn't we? I might have just reread that on my own. I can't remember now. It's been a while, for sure. Whatever we did, I vote for Way Station. Yeah, I vote for Way Station because I it's like I said, it's one of my favorites. I'll read it a million times if that's what anybody wants. <laughs> okay, yeah, looks like Lissy and I are going to vote for that also, and. Um, because we know it's good and, and it's in braille and it's in braille and it's you know it's and for people who like the narration it's well narrated and so it's not real long it's it's well you know it's it's not uh, larded up or padded or whatever the word is i want so uh i think we're going to just say that our next meeting is on Thursday May the 12th and for Where's that Martin? meeting we will be reading Way Station by Clifford D. Simak. Or is it Simak? Somebody help me here. It's Simak, I believe, although I've heard it's Simak. I guess it depends on who's reading it and who's narrating it. Well, it's 1M, so the rules I would say Simak, but I've heard Simak, too, most of the time. So I'm sticking with Simak until I get a definitive ruling here. So I'm going to close up the recording now.